1.7 FM WHUS stores. I am Pedlin Ron, and you are listening to Bicycle Talk. To be broadcast on July 12th, 2023, at our regular times on WHUS 91.7 FM and WHUS.org. Welcome to Bicycle Talk with my friendly co host, the lovely Dr. Fran Storch, who will be sitting over here in just a moment. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook Live, feel free to comment. We should be able to respond. Bicycle Talk is a show where we talk about bicycles, bicycle culture, bicycle advocacy, the upcoming news and cycling, the bicycle business, and the bicycle calendar. If you have a comment or you'd like to contribute information to the show, you can either comment down below or you can drop me an email at bicycletalk, the numeral one, at gmail.com. I'm recording my shows on Monday now using Facebook Live and then playing them at normal times on Wednesday at 11 a.m. on WHUS 91.7 FM and whus.org. You can also lift, listen to past episodes of Bicycle Talk on whus.org, iTunes, Spotify, or fmradiofree.com. Ron's rant of the week. Okay, here we go. There's always somebody out there doing something that gets under my skin. And this one is going to be Kaplan, Louisiana. Ah. Who's ever heard of Kaplan, Louisiana? It's not much of a place, but it is a place that is truly unbelievable. The Louisiana town has banned walking and bicycling from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. because evidently people who don't drive have nowhere to go at night. <sighs> anyway, but of course, this and more in the show. I'll get back to Kaplan. Uh, kind of an interesting little place. Uh, okay, and on a positive side, it's a tour de France. Hey, I'm wearing the shirt today. Like that? That nice? Somebody brought this back for me uh, from France, so that was really nice. I've got a matching hat that goes along with it. Very nice. So, uh, yeah, it's a tour de France. It's rest day. God, I'm so glad it's rest day because. I'm exhausted just watching it. Oh my God. It has been, um, it's been quite a tour. It has, as always, uh, it can be very, very interesting. It, I believe it seems like it, it's, it's looking like um, a two man race at the moment, but you know, that can change. You never know. Anyway, uh, I finished that Netflix Netflix documentary, Unchained. If you haven't seen it yet, please, 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 you owe it to yourself. It gets it explains an awful lot about bicycle racing, what it's all about. It follows the tour from 2022. It's it's brilliant. It's really, really well done. So I highly recommend that as as a, a must-see, and you'll see it on Netflix. It is called Unchained. Very, very cool. Shout-outs to the new crosswalk lights on the airline trail in Hebron and Colchester. That's right. They put up those really cool crosswalk lights that, you know, when you get to them, you push the button and all the lights flash, and it really is distracting for the cars that are coming at you. They have those on the So, cape. yeah. Well, they've got them on the airline trail in Hebron and Colchester now also. So that's kind of a cool thing. And the New Jersey Roundabout. Okay, uh, we were just down in New Jersey last weekend. Fran and I went down to visit with Fran's sister, who lives down in the central part of New Jersey in Florence. And we went out for a couple of really nice bike rides. The beauty of riding down there is 
it's really flat and we're just not used to that so that's kind of cool but um, the big thing is that they're starting to replace traffic signals with roundabouts which is obviously the right answer if you ride a bicycle or a walk or do anything other than be in a car or truck so it's kind of a cool thing they're very big they've uh, you know they've given enough space for them because they have an awful lot of truck traffic around there too that um, is using these roads but uh, the beauty of it is as I'm sensing a car coming up from behind us because of my little radar on my bike I look in my mirror and sure enough I see a car coming up around us or coming up from behind and we're going into this roundabout now we're going straight through the roundabout the car is going right so they're taking the first right hand turn off of the roundabout but because it's a roundabout it slowed them down to our level we just rode through safely and the car turned off to the right no one said anything nasty nothing happened no um it, it's just it's smooth it's effortless it's such a beautiful idea why are we doing traffic lights traffic lights are just horribly dangerous and I'd like to see a lot more of them go away because these were great. Not only that, but we had a second opportunity at a different roundabout when we were coming into a small town that we went to for a coffee shop. And same thing, same thing, just super brilliant, wonderful, easy for both the driver of the motorized vehicle and also for us as bicyclists i just think they're great so big shout out to the roundabouts that we got to experience firsthand with a fair amount of traffic in new jersey so that was kind of cool um mechanical minute cycling tips shimano sti brake hoods does anyone make a better hood apparently not and i won't comment on the next thing that I wrote down on my screen here. Uh, you know, Shimano, we like you in so many ways. You do some really cool, innovative things. And of course, now um, when you want to replace a cable on a Shimano lever in order to get into it properly and, and be able to do the cable change correctly, you kind of have to remove the hood. Now, I know you don't have to remove the hood. I know there's ways of doing that and getting around it. But I find that if I'm really looking at a serious problem in there, I'm going to probably pull the hood off. Problem is, it's a one-shot deal. It stretches the hood out, and then you really can't use it again. Now, using rubbing alcohol on the inside of the grip where, they, where it contacts the lever, I mean, that's really the best way to use it. To, to do it, you spray a ton of alcohol on the hoods and on the brake lever body to help slide it on and off. But it just seems like once you do it once, you're kind of you're kind of screwed and you have to throw the hoods out and get new hoods it just infuriates me if anybody's got a better answer i'd love to hear it that would be great just give us drop us a line bicycle talk the numeral one at gmail.com or leave a comment down below we'd love to hear more about it i just find it annoying that's all okay uh let's move on to our content of our show so kaplan louisiana <laughs> They have started a permanent curfew against late night walking and bike traffic. All right. 
And they're claiming, claiming that it's crime that has done this crime, terrible crime. Uh, you know, they should get a life, but that's beside the point. Uh, so what has happened here is we've got a, um, <laughs> we've got a walking and cycling ban from 11 p.m. until 4 a.m. and it went into effect on July 1st and the police chief Joshua Hardy said the curfew started out as a noise issue because you know those bicycles and those pedestrians they're really noisy. I was approached by a couple of citizens asking if there was anything we could do about certain people walking around at night riding their bicycles, Hardy said. We have also had issues with some bicycles. Um, they put like a little motor on it, motorized bicycles, and it doesn't really have an exhaust. So it's really loud. So they came and voiced their concerns and asked if there was anything we could do to prevent this. Hardy said that his officers will not be stopping people walking home from work to harass them. The curfew would be more or less at an officer's discretion, he said. For anyone walking or riding a bicycle after 11 p.m., the officer will basically get down, do a field interview, which they will ask the person's name, the date of birth, run a check on them to make sure that they don't have any outstanding warrants. From there, it would be determined, hey, look, we do have a curfew, but you need to get off the street to go home. If a person is stopped a second time, they'll be issued a summons. In case of repeated offenses, they will have to go to court and explain to a judge why they were out after curfew. Now, just so you understand this completely, if they're in a motorized vehicle, that's not going to happen. They're not going to get stopped. They're not going to get checked. They're not going to be harassed. This is obviously a serious issue. It's a racism issue. We'll, I'll give you the demographics of the town here very shortly. And um, so he repeats here too. He says, Louisiana is a stop and identify state. So the ordinance is not really hurting anybody. It's just to stop these people walking that have no reason to be walking, he said. Wait, what? <sighs> you know, the mind can be very small at times. And this is, you know, this is just, uh, it, it is noted here. There's a fraction of people that believe that this is infringing upon people's rights. I'm one of those fraction. Uh, but at the same time, I think people can sit back and put a little perspective on the situation and agree that, it's, that the good simply has to pay for the bad right now, he said. I believe that if they don't do something about it, the problem is going to get worse. I, I mean, come on, really? All right, so Kaplan, Louisiana, you guys, you guys are not on the good list right now. I can't believe you would even think of something like this, but it's what they're doing in Kaplan, Louisiana at the moment. I just think it's really, really silly. So it's... Um, <laughs> I, 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 somewhere here, I have a uh, demographic I did on the, on the town. By the way, this is a, just so you know, it is a primarily white town by a huge percentage. It is, um, it, there, there, this is obviously set up very discriminatory. It is set up to, um, to basically, 
identify people that are of concern to other people that, um, anyway, it, it makes no sense. Where's my demographic sheet here? Of course, there's a demographic sheet on this town. Uh, so it's a population of 4,200 people. It's the 121st most populated city in the state of Louisiana out of 487 cities. But watch out. Um, because, uh, <laughs> anyway, so it, it doesn't matter. The largest Kaplan racial ethnic groups are white, 89.3%, followed by black at 8.8%, and Islander at 1.2%. The median in household income is $52,783. And, um, anyway, 16.6% of Kaplan families live in poverty. The median age is 40 years old. So it's, it's obvious that they are targeting a particular group of people in this town. It's obvious that it's not right that because you can't afford to transport yourself in a motorized vehicle, you now no longer can be out at night. Just seems kind of silly to me. But anyway, I I had to bring it up because I saw it come through on one of my feeds and I went, I just can't believe that people still think this way. Apparently they think this way a lot, but that is that. So I have a suggestion for Kaplan. Of course, because, you know, you don't go to a place like this with with yelling and screaming about the problems they have. You go to a place like this with solutions. How about we put police officers on bicycles at night during those hours to help with your crime issue? Now, the crime issue that was, was being stated is that they said they were having problems with the drug trade in town. And then that was the time of night that they were out. And of course, all the drug dealers, because they're making, you know, god-awful amounts of money selling drugs, they all ride bicycles because, you know, bicycles are obviously, you know, the 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 high-demand, high-price item that they would travel around in. <sighs> Need I say more? So, um, I say it's not like the illegal activity that they're quoting to have in this town is going to get away from a police officer on a bicycle unless your police officers are unaware, un, unable to, to move themselves in a uh, physically fit manner. Anyway. So, anyway, that's my shout out. <laughs> that's my, that's my, my complaint, my rant of the week. Um, and it, it's very, very unfortunate. And it, it, it just, drives me nuts because if you take another look at another study, there's a study that was done. Two-thirds of Americans know that highway expansions don't cure traffic problems. So we all get this. We all understand that bicycles are really the right answer. And yet you get these small backwoods towns out in the middle of who knows where in Louisiana, and they have to pull stuff like this because they're racist and they're afraid and they're just being weird. So, anyway, we're gonna um, 
we're going to move on to this. I, I There was just this great study that was done. I got this off a of Streets blog, and it says, two-thirds of Americans know highway expansions don't cure traffic. The public is way ahead of elected officials. Shout out to the elected officials. And it's a way... Uh, way ahead of the transportation officials in talking about the kind of future they want to see. By the way, transportation, the T in transportation, the T in Department of Transportation is about transportation. It's not just about cars and trucks. I'm just going to mention that. Yet all of our projects that happen in both our state and also on the national level tend to be working on making it so that cars and trucks can move more freely on the highways. Now, Fran and I had the unique opportunity of spending a lot of time on a highway this past weekend. And boy, it is a mess, isn't it, Franny? Boy, mm. we were we were stuck in some very serious New York, New Jersey, Connecticut traffic. And to the point where we were being rerouted all over the place to try to avoid it. And, um, and you know, you just, it's not going to get better until we make it better. We've got to change the numbers of vehicles that need to be on the highways and transportation just needs a different a different definition or maybe the definition. It is transportation. It is not cars and trucks. So more than two-thirds of Americans understand that highway expansions happening in their backyards won't fix congestion as local poll politicians often claim and may want those officials to stop spending money on projects and endanger their families. That's a new poll has found. In demographically representative survey of 2001 registered voters in America, 90% of whom own a car, researchers found that a staggering 67% either strongly or somewhat agreed with the statement that expanding highways takes takes years, causes delays, and costs billions of dollars. Meanwhile, the same percentage agreed that widening highways attracts more people to drive, which creates more traffic in the long run, defeating the stated purpose for countless road expansion projects across the country. To put that stunning finding in another way, the average U.S. voter seemingly understands that the long-proven principle of induced demand better, uh, they understand the long-term proven principle of induced demand better than many U.S. transportation officials, considering that they collectively dedicated more than one-third of all capital spending to expand the road network in hopes of curing traffic jams in 2019 alone. That year, one-fifth of the nation's roads were rated in poor condition, in need of urgent repair, and countless more were designed to dangerous standards that made walking, biking, and taking uh, and taking transit dangerous, if not impossible. Yet build more roads, they did. So where, where's, the, where's the answer here? Well, the answer is very, very obvious. We have to stop widening, straightening, and making roads faster. It's got to stop. This is, this, this is a really, really bad idea. And it, it has gone very bad. And, the, you know, if you, if you have a safe way to get onto your bicycle and transport yourself to the grocery store or to work or whatever it is, maybe a protected lane, maybe, maybe just um, 
you know, when they w decide that they're going to widen the road, they don't widen the road with the breakdown lane on the road to make it so that cars and trucks will go faster there. They make it so that there's actually a protection there for someone who is using a different type of transportation. If this all goes in the direction that it is predicted to go in the next few years, especially with the advent of uh, the increase, I should say, of of the e-bike usage that's happening in the United States right now, and the fact that you have people like Elon Musk, who is in the car business, big time in the car business, he's in the electric car business, predicting that by 2030, e-bicycles are going to outsell automobiles um, at, a, at a pretty good rate. Maybe we're not looking in the right direction here anymore. Maybe we need to... Um, to get out there and, and talk this up a little bit more. You know, if you have a town meeting where they're talking about what would you like to see in your town, we have one coming up tomorrow night, actually, here in Mansfield, where they're, um, they have a, uh, a public forum and they're introducing the improvements and ideas that they're doing in this town and they're inviting the public to show up and talk and, at, and basically request what they're looking for. And... Um, you know, this is the time. This is the time. You get out, get active. Don't I talk about this on the show a lot? I think I do. It's a good thing. We need to we need to become a little bit more vocal, especially those of us that are transporting ourselves by way of a bicycle or by way of on foot or even, you know, grabbing a bus and taking a bus to go somewhere or a train to go somewhere. It's time. It's time to say something about it. It really is. So get active. You know, open your mouth. Let people know what's going on. Tell people how you feel about it. And, uh, you know, we can stop having this horrible argument with a person in a car versus a person on a bicycle. It just, just seems crazy. Let's go on to uh, bicycle racing news. Since there's a lot of bicycle racing going on right now. First of all, did you know, I know Fran knows because we've talked about this. Did you know that there is a, a women's Giro d'Italia? Hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, it just ended, and <laughs> Annemiek van Vluten, of course, uh, just smoked it. She just she took her hundredth career win in an emotional victory. Um, she is this woman is amazing. She has got a lot, a lot of talent, and um, she's. This is not what I want here. Where is it? So. Anna Marie is, um, she not only won the general, um, Giro d'Italia Donne, Donne, is that what they say it? Donne? Donna. Donna. Standing in 2023. She won the general classification. She won the points classification. And she won the climbing classification. She won all three, all three of those jerseys. The only one she didn't get, if I'm correct here, is the youth jersey. Right. She didn't get the <laughs> young because she's too old. But oh my God, this woman is on fire. She is one heck of a rider. She's a lot of fun to watch. She's strong. She's fast and um, quite entertaining. So just wanted to make sure that we pointed this out. Uh, there are the next thing they have coming up. There is a women's Tour de France coming up after this that they will be uh, competing in. Uh, one of their, I believe, actually in the general overall here. Um, 
Jay Labois, a French woman, was second. She was three minutes and 56 seconds away from Amérique, but, you know, she was still uh, a French rider, and the French were very, very excited because the Tour de France is coming up, and so that could be a good thing for them. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, general classification, we even had a U.S. rider uh, who... Um, finished fourth overall which was really kind of cool to see so it was um it was just a really really fun fun time fun race good good recognition for women's cycling women's pro cycling is definitely stepping up high there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on so and um Anamarique is just uh Anamique. I'm sorry. Anamique is just a she's a she's a monster out there. She's great. She's awesome. Really, really fun. And uh so I just thought I would mention that so that the my women listeners would enjoy that. I'm not just talking about men's bicycle racing. Yeah, I talk about it a lot because it seems to be the highlight out there. But anyway, it's um it's just a cool thing, and it's, it's a like lot her, of fun. Her team won too, and her team won too. Uh huh. Sure did. Sure did. Yeah, she had a she had a killer a killer um, killer race. Looks very, like very she's good. on Movistar. Yeah, she is, and there's the Movistar team right yep. there, Fran, when you're looking. So, anyway, she is on Team Movistar. So cool stuff. She's very on very Strava. cool. Um. Yeah, she probably is on Strava. You could probably follow her on Strava. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I like following riders on Strava. I'm going to get to that in just a minute because um, we're going to move on to the Tour de France, which has been just a crazy, crazy uh, time this year. Uh, There's already some pretty big gaps going on, but here's the big one that happened this week, and that is that Mark Cavendish crashed out. Yeah. And it's really sad. Uh, He crashed out in stage eight. Uh, it was one of those kind of classics. If you've ever raced a bike, you know what I'm talking about. There was, um, there were, you know, people feeding and there were, you know, somebody was slowing down to try to avoid one another. It's really interesting because I watched a video of it and they were showing all the riders that were having the problem because one person slows down and then another person slows and then you tap and brakes and now we're overlapping wheels trying not to go down. And you watch these guys and they, you could see the shoulder leans, and that's that's a classic. If you're in that kind of situation and you want to avoid going down, the first thing you do is you bear hard, lean hard your shoulder into the shoulder of the rider next to you, and you can probably prevent yourself from falling down. The other thing that you can do, too, is if you do cross that wheel, that the, the number one rule, number one rule is never turn away from the wheel that you've crossed. Always turn into it. So when you turn into it, it repels you off that wheel, pushes you away, and nobody goes down. So um, hopefully nobody goes down. Anyway, there was a lot of bumping going on. There was a lot of leaning going on, and Cav got caught in it, and all it takes is a half a second of not looking where you're going, uh, which is very common and very easy to do, and he crossed the wheel, and down he went, and... Um, I don't know if he actually crossed the wheel or he ran into someone across the wheel, but it was kind of hard to see because they didn't really have good footage of it. But 
there's Mark Cavendish, 38-year-old, sitting in the middle of the road, 64 kilometers left in the stage, and he was riding at the back of the peloton at about 45 kilometers per hour, 28 miles per hour, and down he went. And the TV images showed him lying on the ground holding his right shoulder in pain. Yeah, I think he cro- I think he broke his he either dislocated the shoulder or broke his collarbone. I don't have the official word on that, but um, it, it was it was bad enough to take him out of the race and put him in an ambulance and take him away. So his teammate Gianni Moscon said he had to break suddenly because of a crash in front of him and someone changed the line and he just hit the rear wheel of the guy in front of him and went down. And he said it was quite bad, Moscone added. I stayed with him, but he wasn't able to go on with the race, so I had to get back to the Peloton. So that's a very, very sad story is that he is out and he's going to miss the breaking that record because this is it. This is his year of finish. No, not his year of finish. What do you got, Fran? This just did. <laughs> this just did. Astana, Kazakhstan has offered Mark Cavendish a contract extension to ride in the Tour de France next year, despite oh the British cyclist's planned retirement at the end of the season, the team's manager, Alexander Vinokurov, <sighs> said. The 30-year-old Cavendish's hopes of breaking the record for stage wins on the Tour ended Saturday when he crashed out of this year's race, which he had long said would be his last and, and broke his collarbone. The world's most decorated sprinter announced in May that he would end his 17-year professional career at the end of the season. Yes, we want Mark to go on to 2024 and race his 15th Tour de France to win his 35th stage, Vinokurov told L'Equipe. Oh my God, he's going to be 39 years old. He's a sprinter. Yes, that's he's right. He's a sprinter. Um, well, they're offering uh, it to him. It's a great offer. Um, unrealistic, maybe, but it's a great offer. So he's been offered it. It doesn't say so whether he accepted it. So it doesn't say whether he accepted or not. You know, Cav, um, but it's an easy you, you had a great run. You really did have a great run. I would say, you know what, rather than subject yourself to all the press and, the, you know, I mean, the press alone was, you know, I, I read some tweets that came through and they're like, just get the camera out of the poor guy's face and leave him alone. You know, I mean. Well, it's an ESPN it's and tough. Sky Sports both reported right. that, that the team offered him a chance to come back in 24. Yeah, well, yeah. that's, um, you know, that's great if he does, if he wants to. But I, I would say, you know what? He had a good run. He had a good run. I, I, I would, I would not go back. I would not go back in that yeah, case. It's just, it, <laughs> I am not him. I'm not him. But, you know, I mean, Cav is also, you know, he's he's hanging on for dear life in the Grappetto. You know, they, they barely can make the time cuts. It, it just doesn't make any sense unless he gets on some sort of a super duper program, which brings him to, you know, a, a uh, fitness level that is 10 years younger than what he is. I don't think he stands a chance, but that's just me. That's what I say. Moving on to those who are in the Tour de France and are still in the Tour de France and are just turning heads crazy-like. Um, Today, Bacaccia. Did did anyone see that that the Pied de Dome race or Pied de Dome or however they say it? Uh, we always used to call it the Pied de Dome. Anyway, uh, 
Now, I haven't used that hill in a long time. It's so bad, it's so steep, it's so difficult to get to the top of that they couldn't even put the the finish line. They have like this big truck that opens up into the stage and all that. They couldn't even use that up there. They had to do something portable to bring it up there and, and have the podium at the top. Um, it's, it is one of the true classic classic climbs in the Tour de France that's been used over the years but they haven't used it for I think 17 years I think it's what it's been it's been a long time since they used it I mean we're going back to like Greg LeMond days we're going back to Bernardino days we're talking we're talking a long time ago and you know it it's a great hill for for you know putting in at the end of a stage it's just enormous it's it's got 14 percent grades on it it's it's a killer it really is it's dirt at the top it's just it's great it's just classic classic tour de france i'm kind of glad to see it in there um and i'll talk a little bit more about some of the other things that are coming up because we're not done yet folks this thing is just going to get better and better but um the the that stage of the race, um, Jonas obviously is is uh, winning the race right now. He has the yellow jersey right now. Today, Bagaccia would like to have the yellow jersey, and they are the only two guys that are really left in this thing. It is a it is going to be a serious punch out. Um, Pagacha has the explosions. He has the ability to put down um, serious hard effort on these really, really steep pieces, these really steep climbs. And Vingegaard is having a really, really hard time responding to them. Um, although he is staying steady and true. My prediction is that he will continue to stay steady and true and that Pogaccio will eventually, um, he just can't continue to do this or maybe he can we don't know the race is now what 17 seconds apart it's not that far apart it's pretty close at this point but let me let me throw a little bit of um attaboy at today because i follow him on strava and this guy is entertaining to follow on strava he's entertaining in general the stage that he won last week where when he crossed the line <laughs> he had such a great performance truly a performance that when he crossed the line he bowed to the, the fans as he crossed the line that was classic that was like that was classic um, what's his name our, our wheelie boy here um, yeah wheelie uh, Sagan Sagan that was classic Peter Sagan performance i mean he he's got a personality he's fun to watch he's he's got explosions which make you know sportscasters jump out of their seats and scream and yell he's got things going on that are truly entertaining to watch whereas you know Jonas is he's tried and true he's a steady eddie he's just like you know, he's he's just doing the same thing over and over he's very machine like totally that does not have the same kind of personality he's got a personality i'm not taking that away from him at all but it's just not the same as pagacha pagacha's got this this um exuberance which is really fun to watch remember this kid 
This kid won his first Tour de France the day before his 21st birthday. Think, think about that for a minute. The day before his 21st birthday, he crossed into Paris and put on the yellow jersey. Won and the, the white jersey. And the white jersey also, obviously. He's going to continue to win the white jersey for a while because he's still young. He's still pretty young. So, what's, what's And then the, he went back the following year and he won it again. When do you age out of so, the white jersey? Uh, 23, above 23. Maybe okay. when you hit 24 yeah. is one year above you. Yeah, U23 is what it is. So, yeah, it's right there. So, anyway... Um, Boy, he's a lot of fun to watch. And when you watch his stats, uh, you can't go wrong here. So No, this, 26. He's 26 now. Okay, so he's... No, no. The, the white jersey has Oh, the white jersey goes to 26. Less than, no, goes to 25. Uh, less than 26. So under 26, you still uh, you can be uh, you can still be the young rider. Yes, <laughs> right. He's not done yet. Uh, so, hey, we'll see what goes on here. I mean... He's again. He's. I. I think that maybe he might have reclaimed the polka dot jersey yesterday. I'm not so sure about that. I'd have to double check. I don't have all my facts straight here. But taking. Um, we're we're going to take a look at that last stage. 124 miles. Okay. Um, Six thousand three hundred and seventy-five feet of elevation. All right. Four hours and twelve seconds. Doing any math here yet, Fran? 29.6 mile per hour average speed. 53.3 miles per hour maximum speed. His cadence, this is the part that kills me. His maximum cadence was 133 RPMs, which is, you know, going down a hill at 53 miles an hour. Good possibility, right? Yes. 133 RPMs. His average cadence dropped. It dropped. He was at 93. It dropped to 90. Uh, His, I've been following him for years. His average cadence has been sitting at 92, 93 for years. Um, he burned 3,600 calories. The temperature, now this is where the te- gets a little goofy here because it says here the temperature was 97 degrees Fahrenheit, but actually then there's another piece here that says the temperature was 84 degrees Fahrenheit. It was hot. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you look at it. The humidity was 56%. It felt like 87 degrees. The wind speed was 7 miles per hour. This kid's a monster. Hey, he has an element bolt just like and us. And he has an element bolt just like us. Yes, it is. There you oh, go. Boy. So there it is. That's that's the big <laughs> that's the big information on Tade Bagacha. And, Are you following him on Strava? I follow him on Strava. Because oh, so he is just, you know, he's fun. I'll do and that he too. gives his information out. So not all the riders do that. Not all the riders Lawson are Craddock available. Lawson Craddock does. You're I right. I follow him too. You're right. And and um, I think Sepkus does also. I think you can get Sepkus's also. And who is n- another guy who's riding like incredibly well right now. Just they're um, 
We got a big Tour de France coming up ahead of us. We really do have a big one coming up. I mean, I'm looking at stages in this thing that are, where, where, where was I here? Okay, so we're going back. I gotta go back a few here. 18, 17, we're on a rest day right now. Thank goodness we're on a rest day. Boy, do these guys need a rest. I just cannot believe it. Um, so that means that we are now coming into, oh gosh, um, stage 11 will be the next one. Stage 10, no. Here we go. Today is a rest day. Right, so stage, stage 10 is a hilly stage. It's not a mountainous stage. It's a hilly stage. The hills are, you know, they're, it's, it's a roller coaster. It's not killer. There's some category twos. There's some category threes. Nothing terrible, terrible, but, you know, it's, it's still not going to be easy. That is going to be the race for tomorrow. And that's 167 kilometers. Uh, the following that is going to be stage 11, which will be a flat stage. So the sprinters can come back and do their dance. It does start out with a couple of little bumps in it. There's a couple of category fours in there to kind of, you know, shake things up a little bit. Um, and then we get to... Thursday the 13th and now we're at 168 kilometer stage and it goes back to hilly so we got a lot of a lot of you know jagged terrain by the profile here we got some category twos we got some category threes and um, and then we move on to the weekend where we are going into Friday and Friday we are back in the mountains and we um, we are, that's the day of the Grand Columbia, uh, the Columbier, and that is uh, just a monster hilltop finish, you know, mountaintop finish, I should say. It's a 137 kilometer stage. Expect to see some excitement as Friday, Saturday, and Sunday come around because there are nothing but mountain stages all weekend. On Saturday, it will be um, 151 kilometers, also a mountain stage. And we're looking at um, category ones, a category three, and then the final the final mountain, the, uh, the Col de Joux Plan. And that is going to be a beyond category climb. And that is the finish sort of there is a downhill after that so there it's kind of the big you know mountaintop and then go screaming down to the finish line afterwards should be an exciting day and that will be on saturday and then on sunday we have um another major mountain day with um again category ones one two three category ones one category three and then um it finishes and a category two which drops all the way down to a category one mountaintop finish at 179 kilometers this race is going to be made this weekend there's going to be an awful lot going on but it's not over yet it's certainly not over yet because after that there is a time trial there is another mountain stage there are hilly there are hilly stages uh, before they come into paris the following weekend but this this has been 
I'm trying to think if, you know, I remember last year when I was talking about this, I said this is probably the hardest Tour de France I've ever seen. I think this one's harder. I really do. It started out hard. It started out, you know, they were in the Pyrenees right away. They they're just um they're just throwing all sorts of stuff at these guys. And uh, I, it's a great day to be a spectator. It's not a great day to be a, 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 a rider, I don't think. Uh, to be a, a Tour de France Grand Tour rider, it's very, very difficult. This is, this is truly one of the hardest sports out there. Um, I'm very biased and opinionated about that, obviously. But I just don't see anything much more difficult than this is. You know, 21, 22 days of absolute torture with a couple of rest days mixed in there. I am just, um, I am enamored by what I'm seeing. It's really, really cool. Uh, so, anyway, we're going to move on from the Tour de France and we're going to go into um, uh, a little more industry talk here right now. I... Um, I was reading Bicycle Retail and Industry News, and there's someone I've known in the industry forever. His name is Jay Townley. He writes for Bicycle um, Retailer, and he has a, an article here, Is the Bike Boom Bubble Bursting? So, let's see. What do oh, you I think? Hope, what do you I think? I don't know. I hope not. So... I would say not, um, especially with the predictors that are out there and the e-bike numbers that are out there. And I'll tell you what Jay thinks here as we get into this, because I think that there is mention of what I'm talking about with this e-bike thing. We just don't know the numbers of e-bikes that come into this country because a lot of them are direct-to-consumer sales, and they will be direct-to-consumer from as far away as China. And so they don't really get recorded the same way as the bicycle industry numbers do, or even the mass market numbers like uh, the Walmarts and uh, and what else? who else is in the mass market in the bicycle industry Dicks. these days? Dick's Sporting Goods, that sort of thing. Dick's though, gets they get recorded, Walmart gets recorded, but the direct sale numbers not so much so it, it makes it a lot harder to understand so anyway jay says here i've been struggling to understand why american consumers demand for new bicycles uh, defined by the consumer product safety commission has ebbed since the end of 2022 after digging into the available data and information emerging about the economy the american consumer and the dynamic changes brought about by the pandemic right. i offer the following working theories for your consideration. Future bicycle purchases by regular riders were pulled into the pandemic years. All right. 4% more Americans seven years of age and older rode six days or more in 2022 over wow. 2021. This can be interpreted as more people purchased during the pandemic now and now they are riding uh, what they purchased. Replacement is pushed out into the future. Okay, second bullet point. New bike riders who had never ridden before purchased during the pandemic. Some new riders continue to ride, but since they purchased recently, replacement is pushed out to the future. 
third bullet point. As retail prices increased during the pandemic, fewer consumers were interested as inflation-dominated spending that shifted from goods to services. And within services during the last half of 2022 and the first half of 2023. Note, while sales were and discounted prices are attractive, the retail price points from which they were calculated have stayed elevated because of significantly higher landed costs during the pandemic. They have not yet been lowered to reflect the lower replacement cost because of inventory. And then your next bullet point on here, the explosion of discounts is attracted, has attracted some hardcore enthusiasts and some consumers with an interest in purchasing a new bike. They are generating some foot traffic and purchases, but they're not attractive to the middle and low end of the new bicycle market that doesn't have much disposable income. Overall, the sales and discounts have not quickly nor significantly reduced the large inventory overhang that amassed through 21 and 2020 and 22. The circular economy is now acceptable to the greater portion of American consumers making used bicycles of all types and prices attractive. The bicycle industry can only estimate the number of used bicycles that are sold annually. I'm going to tell you right now, just by watching activity that I see on places like Facebook Marketplace and the Pros Closet. And Pros Closet's kind of an uppity-uppity thing. They're, they don't really have anything on the lower level. But on the lower level, you know, the people that can't afford to go buy a brand new bicycle at a bicycle store, it seems like there's an, an enormous amount of activity in the used bike world that's out there. So uh, last bullet point that he has here is during the pandemic, a whole new category in the form of um, electric bicycles captured the imaginations of consumers. This is where the, the gray area comes in. E-bikes have been available for over 20 years, but during the pandemic, new subcategories were introduced, including low step throughs, 20 inch, 24 inch, 26 inch fat tires, folding off-road with mid-drive and hub motors. The bicycle industry can only estimate the number of these new categories of electric bicycles that are imported into the U.S., with many of them being sold directly to consumers and others being delivered directly to consumers by way of, of the de minimis exclusion. So there you go. Um, it's hard to figure out what the numbers are. I think, and and you know, it's just this is obviously my opinion on this. I think we're just going to continue to see more growth. I don't think it's going away. That's your I, hope. That's it. It's not just my hope, but it, it is my hope. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. <laughs> um, but I I can't see where it's stopping at this point. Everything that I'm reading about. Um, about the fact that you know people are becoming more and more concerned about the infrastructure. They want to see more bike lanes put in. There's more trail um, infrastructure work being done. We've got lots of it going on here in Connecticut, and um, you know this is only going to increase the numbers of people that are going to find interest in being out on bicycles. Of course, you know my 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 fantasy world of cycling because i am that guy um is 
if we get more and more butts on bikes, which is the way what we used to say back in the industry back in my day, more butts on bikes is the is really really good for us because what that creates is it creates a vision on the roads of people riding bicycles and it will traditionally as it has done in other countries especially over in Europe it will slow people down which is what we're looking for because it creates its own form of traffic calming when you put more butts on bikes on the road it really makes a big difference it really truly does um, and then we keep adding in all these infrastructure changes we see more roundabouts than we used to see in the past we see more people asking for them in their towns because the tra they, they understand that traffic lights are deadly and that they kill people and whether you're in a, a you know ginormous monster tank car vehicle whatever it is that you're driving around or not you're not perfectly um, you're you're not protected from dying while driving in in a vehicle like that it it's just a matter of you know 70 miles an hour versus uh 10 miles per hour in an intersection when someone's running the red light and someone's just doing their thing going going with the green light the the answer is is not good it's there it doesn't matter how much protection you have how many side airbags you have how many airbags you have front and rear how much structure and and um and build of the vehicle you have to protect you you're not going to live through something like that it's just not going to happen so to me in my in my feeling as far as that goes it's way safer for me to ride my bicycle through one of those intersections than it is for me to drive a car through one of those intersections because at least with my bicycle i can hear and see the speed of the gigantic tank coming down the road and i can stop myself from getting from getting in the way of that hopefully so um anyway i just i just don't see um I don't see the automobile industry surviving the way they would like to survive through the next 20 years. I think the next 20 years is going to be so many changes. There's going to be a lot more demand for for the vulnerable users that are out there, you and me. And and the cost is so much less so much less to transport yourself if you live five miles from work 10 miles from work it, it just it, it makes less and less sense to be using a motorized vehicle sure on a day like today i use my motorized vehicle to get myself to the community center to teach my class and that's um to me that's that's an unfortunate day because i would have rather ridden my bike there because i'm really starting to enjoy the i'm not starting to i'm really enjoying the commute i'm enjoying getting out on my bike and transporting myself to work being able to do that job and then riding my bike back home to where i can come here and do what i'm doing here today with you folks so yeah it's all um i i and i'm not alone I'm not alone. I'm, I'm part of a growing concern here. So 
anyway, we will see what happens. Um, I'm I'm optimistic, and I would like to see more of it, and I think we will see more of it, and hopefully that'll be it. Um, I um, I'm going to go back to this another week, but right now I want to talk about our local bike club here, the Thread City Cyclers, and the 2023 Quiet Corner Bike Tour, which is coming up on Sunday, July 23rd. And this is going to start and finish at a place called Garrison Park. It's in Chaplin, Connecticut. It's one town over from where we live. It's rural. We're in the woods. Um, the reason it's called the Quiet Corner is the tourism district has called this part of the state the Quiet Corner due to the fact that we don't have a lot of automobiles out here and that we have a lot of rural network out here. So there's lots of farms, lots of just old classic New England roads. It's beautiful out here and most of them are paved there's quite a few that are are paved so what you have is a great selection of rides we have a 100 mile ride a 69 mile ride a 43 mile ride and then we have a brand new 25 mile ride to try to encourage people from afar to come out and check this out and so it's um and we even have an 18 mile gravel loop of which we use I think we only use about six miles or so of the airline trail on that, and the rest is on dirt roads. So we've got we've got a little bit of something for everyone. So we've got gravel, we've got pavement, we've got quiet, we've got beautiful, we've got scenic. We even have a stop at an ice cream place, which is one of our favorites, mm. right? Yeah, we like it. Ice cream. Big shout out to those folks. Um, it, it's just it's it's gonna be a great ride. Um, you can find it on Bike Reg. You'll see it there under the Quiet Corner Bike Tour presented by the Thread City Cyclers. And I um, hope to see some of you folks out there. I will be running uh, mobile SAG and mechanical support at that ride. So maybe I'll see you there. Fran will see you there. She runs all the rest stops. That's a really cool thing. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you on July 23rd, 2023. Ah, So... Anyway, um, early bird registration is over, but you can still do it on Bike Reg. That's very cool. Remember, upcoming events, we still have ongoing the bicycle game on the early history of bicycles in Hartford, Connecticut. It's at 1 Elizabeth Street at the State um, Historical Society. Very cool thing if you haven't seen it yet. We're expected to see the Tour de France finish in Paris around the 24th of July. It's, it's great. It's great. It's just going to be a great tour. It's exciting. Every day is exciting. The 78th annual Vuelta España is on August 26th, 2023. And we also have other things on the agenda here. We also have the 32nd annual Steeplechase Bike Tour on August 19th. And that also features an 18-mile gravel ride for all you new gravel enthusiasts. So come out and check us out. We have lots of opportunities to come out and ride on the roads that Fran and I ride on and love so much. It is Connecticut's quiet corner. So finishing points. Who's going to win the tour? Hmm. Good question. Um, is your town uh, doing stupid things like, you know, putting racial barriers up for poor people who can't afford to drive cars at night? What's with that? 
what crazy people are out there. Uh, you know, people, we should be encouraging people to ride bikes, not scaring them away from it. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, check out that Netflix you know, the Unchained, if you haven't seen it yet, you're missing something really, really big. So are you ready to become a bicycle advocate? Don't forget about approaching your local towns and governments when they're having specials and they they let you, you know, voice your opinion. Now is the time to do it. I'm going to say it again. It won't be my last time. Get loud. Get active. Your time has come. Get out there and join the revolution of change. The views expressed in this program do not reflect the views of the staff, management, or licensee of this station. This is Pedal and Ron. Remember, keep that rubber side down, the wind at your back. Get out and ride your bike. It really could save your life. This is 91.7 FM, WHUS stores, and WHUS.org. Thank you so much for listening. WHUS stores and WHUS.org. Thank you so much for listening.